0: Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the sweep. Beacon partners Meg Hennington and John B. F. Thayer have made it their life's work in business to encourage independent financial advisors to get real, literally and figuratively. They own and operate Beacon Partners, a business consulting and education leadership coaching program for financial advisors and entrepreneurs focused on delivering solutions for long term growth, brand and culture alignment and EQ training and more. Meg and Jean Viev also co-host a television show now in its second season called Get Real, where they feature engaging conversations with independent financial advisors and industry leaders. And yours truly was a guest on episode 15. Get Real airs every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time on RBN Television Network and streams online and on Roku. But that's not how we met. Meg Hannington and Jeanvieve Thayer are co-delegates for the New York City Metro Area Chapter of Females in Finance, a private membership community for women working in financial services and the male allies who champion them. This was started by Cheryl Hickerson. For over a year now and during the pandemic, I've had the opportunity to participate in Females in Finance live monthly Zoom calls with Meg and Jean-Viev while they lead engaging discussions with an amazing group of professionals who care about the industry as much as you. Who better than Meg and Jean-Viev to lead this chapter? Together, they offer 50 years of financial expertise, knowledge, and experience. Meg began her career at Merrill Lynch, having worked in a variety of disciplines, including technology, systems development, operations, compliance, marketing, and administration. In 2012, she transitioned to the independent space, having found her strength in business development and marketing. Meg has the unique ability to listen to and understand her clients' goals and implement a workable solution for achieving them. She's also a Board of Trustees member for Trinity Counseling Service. Genevieve began her journey at AXA Equitable. After several years, she transitioned to the independent space. Her experiences include extensive knowledge of the interdependencies across several areas, including operations, compliance, technology, investment analysts, and administration. Genevieve has strategically implemented meaningful solutions for advisors to better serve their clients, and she's passionate about creating an efficient process for more streamlined organizations. She is a member and a board of trustees of the Trenton Music Makers. In fact, one of the many gifts that you'll discover in this episode with Meg Hennington and Genevieve Thayer is their passion to serve others whether through Beacon Partners, Females and Finance, and Get Real. These are women who are intelligent, smart, and seasoned women who have done a masterful job empowering others. If there's one theme we learned in this episode, it is how to lift ourselves and each other up through networking and emotional intelligence in the suite. Wow. So Meg Harrington and Genevieve Thayer, take a seat in the suite. It is so, so awesome to welcome you lovely ladies here today. I'm so, so excited that we're going to have this discussion. How is everybody today? Good.
1: Thanks, good. thanks, Tina. Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: So here's the thing, ladies, right? So, Meg and jean you are the first group of women that I've had together, right? This is the first time that I've had two female leaders in uh, financial services and wealth management partnered together on the same podcast. So, yeah. I'm really, really looking looking forward to this episode. So we have lots to talk about. One of the things I do want to say is I want to let a l- everybody know a little bit of the the backstory and how I know Meg and Jean Viev, and that is because of Cheryl Hickerson's Female and Finance Network. Which, ladies, we're going to have a link in the show notes. If you are not a member, you should be because this is how I met Meg and Jean Viev, who are the leaders of the new york city chapter it is from what i understand right the largest chapter in females and finance it is That's true
1: yep i was gonna say we also have can a little bit of canada as well so we're technically international our our little group all of new
2: york long island and uh, canada
0: Well, we're going to get in a little deeper into the females and finance section because I definitely want to talk about that. But again, it's like the reason why I wanted to bring it up, especially early is because a lot of us, especially during COVID, I think networking became a big initiative for all of us that we made the efforts to join like certain groups. And by joining those certain groups, you just you meet a whole bunch of great women the reason why I wanted to have Meg and Geneviève in the suite is for, for a couple of reasons. They're both partners at Beacon Partners, and we're going to learn a little bit more about their business. They have an exciting new podcast slash TV show called Get Real. You know, both of these initiatives are pretty much brand new. So you both have been co-founders now of Beacon Partners since January of 2019. So congratulations, you ladies just had your two-year anniversary. Thank you. It's gone by very, very fast. And
2: you are right in going back, commenting about networking. Uh, We've had an opportunity to meet extraordinary people and network with them um, because of COVID. And had that occurred, we would not have met them. So that was a a wonderful thing. And networking is certainly uh,
0: something that we do a lot of. And you ladies put such a smile on my face during COVID. It was it was one of the Aww. reasons that I wanted to have you here in the suite is because how many times did we meet as part of Females in Finance month after month after month after month during coronavirus and how much all of us would anticipate that, yes, that we would have a meeting on Tuesday, we would get dressed, right? We would bring our best selves and our big ask. And that was really worth it something. So a lot of times, you know, we just kind of go through the motions of what we're doing normally. And I think that you ladies deserve such accolades and you need to know how much you lifted me and other women in financial services and men too, because there's the male ally network. There are a bunch of men that belong to the New York City chapters of of female and finance and how important that
1: was, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise we would have had nothing
0: really going on.
1: Yeah. That's so, that's first of all, so nice of you to say, Tina, uh, that we were able to, you know, give you that, that lift uh, consistently every month on Tuesday. And, you know, it's so important that we do things outside of work, you know, like it was difficult for all of us to transition to working remotely, but that group, the purpose is yes to network and and be around your peers but it's just such a good mix of folks that the conversations just are are fun they're natural they're um you know they lead to such great connections and that's why you know Meg and I really love leading that group we get to meet uh, individuals like you Tina and just it it also brightens our day quite frankly the we've met so many great people, uh, Mm -hmm. from that group alone. And, and you're right. It, it really did brighten things and lift things up Mm -hmm. after hours, um, non-work related and just a group for people to, to chat.
0: What also too strikes me is your organization on that as well. And so we haven't, you've never, never like, you know, we've never missed a beat over there. I don't know how you two operate like clockwork, but you do. And if there's any two <laughs> women that wanted to be in business together, you know, tell us about Beacon Partners, because I think that your skill sets, viewing them as a member of New York City of uh, females and finance, kind of go back to that origin story. How did it all come to be?
2: We did know one another before Beacon, and we had known one another I think it's almost nine years now. We had worked in uh, our previous two organizations, and I had started in an independent office, independent financial advisor's office, and I had a bunch of experience that was wonderful but was not that I needed and so um i was hired at there for you know some marketing and some administrative stuff the the market was really tanked and it was a you know it was a a get a grip time for everybody and i knew that i needed somebody stronger with different skills and so i put together the job description and i worked with a, an agency and in walk and i think she was the second or the third person that I interviewed. And within minutes, I knew that she was the person, but I had to, you know, agonize and go through the process. <laughs> so, she brought, you know, a whole bunch of skills that I didn't have and that I needed that would help the office run smoothly from operations and processes and procedures and, you know, understanding the the advisor's business and all of those things that she knew from one side and I knew from a, a totally different side. So, that's how we started, and uh, I left that organization and uh, went to another organization that was bigger and was able to bring my skills that were really needed there, and they also needed Jean Viev's skills there. So, I made that introduction, and she came along, and yeah, we started, I guess, eight years. We worked together, six, seven years together in, in two independent offices,
1: so... And I would share also that that is how we currently work so well together. And it's true, you know, we do have a unique synergy. The synergy between us is unique because we both have very different skill sets. And we tell people all the time that, you know, Meg speeds things up and I slow them down, but really that works. And that is in fact, what makes us such a powerhouse when we work together, because there is that synergy of just, it's like a machine that doesn't stop going, right? You, you constantly check one another and that's really what makes it work. And I, it's so wonderful to hear that you think that we, uh, we do females in finance flawlessly because we do put so much work into making yeah. those meetings great. And it does take a lot of work and a lot of effort and planning. And, um but we're, we're there whether we're doing work through Beacon or we're you know doing our group as you know the delegation of the New York City metro area, we want it to to look flawless and, and really work like a machine, so we, we do work very well together to make sure that happens
0: and that's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. I mean all of us who have our own business, especially if you're in entrepreneurship, you know how much, how many details there are to to juggle and i think that yeah. whether or not that i've seen the two of you interact through females and finance through get real tv it's been the same like so it's interesting because i didn't know that you both had a history for eight years And that really says something about you that you really, really knew each other before you decided to leap into partnership. Because let's face it, not all partnerships have this kind of rosy type of feeling and getting to know one of the big takeaways for me. And one of the big takeaways I hope that our listeners will take is that really understanding the person and their core competencies and how one complements the other. I love yeah. the way that you've said yeah. that one, one goes fast and, and one goes slow because you're in the business of business consulting executive leadership coaching. Um, You also do a bunch of work with branding and culture alignment as well. So I'm really fascinated to to hear that part. But it's interesting because you're working directly with financial advisors and CEOs, and you don't know whether or not that that personality is the let's go a gazillion miles a minute or let's go a little bit slower. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's that, whether whether you both realize it or not you can match either type of profile
2: yeah and that's, that's really true and when we work with independent advisors part of our discovery is the coaching the consulting the emotional intelligence the brand and culture they're all so interconnected and we're figuring out what what it is that that advisor is really telling us and what it is that they're needing so that we can put together an appropriate program and help them achieve their goals.
0: And why do they come to you? I mean, what are financial advisors, if we look at the landscape right now, they're trying to solve for a lot of different things. And so what do you see right now in light of the the pandemic uh, news came out today you know, a lot of the world is getting vaccinated now, not anywhere near as to where we should be, but it's, it's leading at least in the right direction. Some states like Texas have opened up completely, you know, remote work and remote technologies was a big thing before the pandemic. What are you hearing from advisors right now
1: as a result of where we've been the last, you know, almost year? I would say, you know, what we're hearing overwhelmingly, and I don't think this ever changes pandemic or not, is they're in growth mode. I think what COVID taught us it was some very important lessons, one of which was to be very flexible, be prepared, because uh, that's not going to be the first and the last time that, that business could get interrupted, right? So have that contingency plan beyond your business continuity, you know, from a tech perspective you know, very carefully look at your tech stack and make sure that you you can pivot like that on a moment's notice. But I think overwhelmingly folks are in growth mode. We've heard from so many advisors, like last year was my best year. I brought so many assets in, you know, mm-hmm. people are home. They have access to their files if they wanted to look at like, oh, well, you know, what is my statement saying instead of, because nobody's rushing back and forth to the office. So you've got all this extra time to do maybe stuff that you weren't necessarily paying attention to. So, um, and Meg, you know, I'm sure she has her own thoughts as well, but, you know, from what I'm seeing, it's I'm in growth mode. I know that there's some things that I need to fix. I need to work on structurally. Uh, I want to build the business. Maybe I need to hire a person or two. So I, I think, you know, overwhelmingly that's what, what I'm predominantly hearing
2: I agree with that. And I would add that we've also heard that advisors' books are increasing with, you know, 10, 20, 30% asset growth because those new clients that they are getting aren't happy with their current advisor. And that cream is floating to the top, if you will. They are not being engaged as much as they need to be with their clients. The clients are uh, upset. They're go- We're all going through this, this unknown time. And when they're reaching out to those advisors, they're not feeling as though that the advisor is really knowing and learning them. So they're looking for someone whose values are aligned with theirs and they're moving their assets so that they can be taken care of in a manner that they would like to be.
0: So th- I think that that also adds to their growth. One of the things I think that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from you, it, it is this whole aspect of being felt like you were important and being taken care of during the pandemic or not, right? To Absolutely. jean Viev's part. That was the best form of business development, quite truthfully, that I felt like an advisor could do during the pandemic. Just reach out to people and just say, call, call them up. Doesn't have to be a fancy schmancy campaign of yes. any kind. Just, how are you doing? Are you okay? Well
2: right. quite often we were hearing when the advisors were reaching out to the clients, the clients didn't really give a hoot about their investments. It was, what do you know about this thing? What do you know about the 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 virus? How is your family doing? What is it? It was absolutely all primarily non-investment related. Certainly some did, but most of the advisors that we were talking to, the clients wanted to talk about other things
0: one of the things that i see that you offer that beacon partners offers which i found really fascinating and by the way i would love to see you both on an upcoming females and finance meeting to discuss this so here's what i want to pull from here and that is this emotional quotient training I Mm -hmm. have never seen this offered by anyone. And I think that you both hit the nail on the head way before coronavirus, right? Because you started your business before coronavirus. And here you've done something so brilliantly as to offer training on emotional intelligence and how understanding ourselves as leaders how that actually, that's a big part of growth. Can you both talk about what emotional quotient training is and who it's for? And I know that a lot of advisors listening and just people in general are curious of this type of training.
1: Mm -hmm. So, you know, the emotional quotient training program came to fruition because In all of my years in the business, which was nearly 20 years, it never escaped me that I I felt like some people that I interacted with, and I won't say names, but just generally speaking, because that's the only industry I ever worked in, there was really a lack of self-awareness, right? Right. Uh, It's a really hard business to work in. It's very demanding. Uh, It's quite frankly, grueling. I loved it. You know, the up and downs throughout the day. It was just very exciting. But that really takes a toll on you after a while. And I think what what I overwhelmingly saw were people were burnt out. People had very short fuses. Uh, There was a lot of, you know, backhanded, very passive aggressive conversations and just you know, strife, uh, if you will. And I think what's important, you know, as a business owner or anyone in your personal and professional life is to have all of the key tenets of emotional intelligence, uh, one of which is self-awareness. You know, how I bring myself to the office every day has an absolute uh, effect on every single person around me. So it doesn't matter if you are the managing director of an owner of your firm or you're the receptionist. Uh, how you bring yourself to the office has it. There's a direct correlation between that and how well the firm works. So if you think of, you know, everyone having this really important role within the firm, and and we don't believe that any role is more important than any other within an office. They're all equally important. If people are not bringing their their best selves to the office, if they're not able to really understand their emotions, how they're um, reacting to things, how do they regulate their emotions, right? You get that client who screams at you on the phone. How are you then turning around? And and are you able to recenter yourself and, and not start getting agitated with everyone around you, right? We've all been in that circumstance if we've worked in, uh, in a financial advisor's office, because it o- is unpredictable, any office. Yeah. So really having that self-awareness is, is so key. So You know, it was important. And again, that's why Meg and I work well together. We're not always getting along all the time, right? But as an adult, as a professional, you learn how to work well with people because you are aware of your deficiencies. You're aware of your temperament and you know how to regulate yourself right if i disagree with you i'm not going to just start yelling at you right i'm going to i'm going to understand that i need to approach it from a very specific way so you know emotional intelligence and in the training program aims to really educate people that participate to understand who they are as a person understand what motivates them what demotivates them uh, understanding the the uh, relationship between you know how I see things and how I need to react to things, uh, and that's that's not just for leaders. Every single person within an office benefits from that sense of self awareness, and it's really the key to is the, the emotional regulation. Emotional intelligence has been around since the early nineties. It was very popular in the corporate realm. But in all of my years, and I always worked directly with financial advisors, I never saw that within the space I was in. Uh, And that's really why we wanted to bring it into one of the core offerings that Beacon Partners has, because we think it's really important. You can have the best office. You can have a really awesome, expensive tech stack. You could have everything and people with the best technical skills. But if you do not have folks on your team that are operating from a heightened sense of self-awareness and they're not able to regulate how they operate throughout the day, that will undermine every other great thing that you have going for your firm. That's
0: golden right there. That is golden, jean Yeah, I yeah. cannot wait for these show notes to come out and for business leaders to hear this, financial advisors I love the way that you approach a business and that you see that everyone's important and all all branches of a business are equally important. And that you could have the best, but if people aren't treating other people with compassion and humility and generosity... And just awareness, just even just general friendship, I mean, both of you have seen a lot. you've had great careers on Wall Street. you both have worked for big firms, Axa, you know Merrill Lynch. Are you seeing a different model now from an emotional intelligence perspective? Do you think that the entrepreneurial lends itself better to leaders that have higher eq? or does it have nothing to do with the environment? This is just a question that kind of popped in my head. I'm like, wow, is there (laughs) any difference between working at like a big wirehouse, or, you know, is it really just at, so at the leadership level of that individual person?
1: Yeah. I don't think that it has anything to do with uh, the corporate versus entrepreneurial space. I think, Um, whether you get it intuitively or you've learned it somehow, either through, you know, you know, I read a lot for instance, and I was always very aware of it. So through my own curiosity, but I think it doesn't have anything to do with one space versus another. I think that, you know, to be a good leader and the, 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 a good leader does two things. They motivate and they inspire their teams you're not there to micromanage their day. You're there to say, how can I help you be supported and have everything you need to do the good work that you are doing at this firm? Uh, it's not to sit there and go over a list of 10 things like you did this, you didn't do this. You know, right? That's very micromanaging, that's very middle management. But to be a really effective leader and we truly believe that everyone on the team should have inherent leadership qualities again whether you're the managing partner an owner or you're the receptionist you own your job you are the one who is the subject matter expert for that role that you are responsible for and i think that a lot of people they they're not aware of the benefits of a higher emotional intelligence and in how you bring yourself to work which is unfortunate but that's why we're here and that's why we've created the program we've created but i don't think it makes a difference which environment you're from
0: meg what do you want to add to that i i love this whole this whole perspective uh that that you all are are both bringing to the conversation today and The fact that you work directly within these leaders and these organizations. So you get to see everything. You know, what's working? Where are leaders really showing up right now? I, I, I think that anyone who wants to be a good leader stops
2: talking and really starts to have conversations with their team members and listening to them about their role and the importance and how they feel valued or not valued. As Jean Jean-Viev was saying, it doesn't matter whether or not you are the receptionist, the business owner, the CEO, regardless of your position within the organization, everybody must bring their best self to the office every day and must understand that not everyone's going to have a good day. And so, if you aren't having a good day and you need a moment, you need to be respected full of that. If someone happens to make a blip and you know snap someone's head off a little bit, you go back, you get some quiet time, you reflect, you apologize, you understand what you've done uh it doesn't create this wheel of constant agitation and um, upsetment because if it's never addressed, acknowledged and moved off of, it will happen. The behavior will continue and continue again. And so that's where we are really helping individuals to learn about themselves, to understand their own, uh, responsibility. And as a good leader, you have to to, to show yourself first to being vulnerable and wanting to learn and understanding that you may not have handled the situation the best way, or that you might not be recognizing someone else's situation within the office. So I think that that the leaders who are recognizing that today and who are understanding all of those nuances, And are building teams that are respectful of one another are going to be those that are most successful, whether it's a larger organization, a department within a huge corporation, or an advisor's practice with three people or 50 people.
0: One of the things that I had hoped to learn from both of you is the idea of partnership. We see as a result of the pandemic and women who now, I think, want to call the shots, want to set up their own consultancies and really try their hand at entrepreneurship. What were the discussions like between the two of you? You know, I, it makes me think of uh, the Big Bang Theory with with Shelton and how <laughs> he had his roommate agreement, right? For every for, mm-hmm. for every little thing, he would say, "Well, it's in the roommate agreement, line fifteen, you know, section <laughs> five, right?" And and I'm wondering for two women who have such a great handle on themselves as far as like knowing thyself, and then also too, you're able to walk into an organization and make uh, assessments of of others. How did you approach it for for yourself? How do you know whether or not partnership is something that you should pursue or not? How do you mm-hmm. know that? How can we engineer it for women listening right now who says, this sounds like a great idea. I'd love to do something similar to what Meg and Jean Viev are doing and whatever they do.
1: That's such a a multifaceted question. What I would say To your one question, how do you know if you're cut out? Uh, I don't think anyone ever really knows until they get into the throes of entrepreneurship. I mean, I think we all know it's not for the faint of heart. You're not gonna get that consistent paycheck in the beginning. Um, You're really hustling. And I think what makes our partnership so special is that number one, our driving force is that we respect each other. Uh, first and foremost, I think you can't have a good partnership or successful partnership if you really don't respect the other person and what they bring to the table. Uh, It's not just financially driven. It's saying, you know, I enjoy working with this person. I appreciate their contributions and I want to build something with them. I mean, it's similar to a relationship, right? At the end of the day, through the ups and the downs, you have to have each other's backs and everybody has life going on, you know, in the background as well as when, you know, you're trying to build this business. So I think, again, I don't know anyone else's, you know, partnership qualities or experiences. I can say that this really works because we really know each other. And I think, it's hard to get into a partnership with someone that you don't know very well, because again, we worked with each other for many years before. So we knew all of the warts and the bumps and the everything that for, for both of us, you know, like, Again, I like to move slowly. Sometimes that can annoy someone who likes to work quickly. I like to have some of my, my quiet time because, again, I like to read and I like to reflect. And sometimes that can annoy someone who run, who likes to move quickly or, you know, whatever. But I think, again, it's that respect piece. But I wouldn't say not to do it. I think if somebody has a really strong desire to mm-hmm. own a company of their own, just know that it will not always be roses and sunshine getting into it. There's a lot of hard work. uh, There's a lot of setbacks. There's a lot of self-doubt. And something, you know, that negative self-talk can really create a a bad, you know, energy within you. Um, But the benefit of a, a successful partnership is that you have that other person to pull you out of it. Uh, and get you out of your headspace. So I would say not to to fear partnership, but really, really know the person that you are going into business with.
0: Are there other tools that someone can assess their, I guess, their core competencies like a Myers-Briggs? Any comments on that? Because it sounds like, yeah, if you know the person, the personalities are there. But when one is probably has a, a better or leans in heavier towards what maybe, you know, one to specific skill set. So I'm, I'm also wondering if, if that also too, if you would recommend something like that, and if so, what would the tool be? We think those
2: tools are great. In fact, when we talk about brand and culture alignment, many of our clients have previously used those and they're wonderful. They're, they're a beginning spot. Mm-hmm where jean viev and I have done those, both Colby and DISC. I can't remember exactly. I think we're exact on Colby and opposite Mm -hmm. on DISC. Yes. Is perfect because, and I can't remember who's D, I, S, or C. I can never keep track of that. But (laughs) we are the yin and the yang for one another, you know? And while, you know, we are a little bit of the tortoise in the hare with regard to that, it's also her skill sets are different than mine. Some overlap. You have to look at those tools as a a something, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. It, then it then it goes into emotional intelligence, right? You could be, you know, the greatest D and S, but if you're not recognizing the I and the C in your in your business partner and and recognizing what that brings to the table, but rather arguing and fighting, that's not going to make for a very good partnership. So they are the beginning of a something. To of de- a
1: conversation.
2: To determine whether or not you you know, can proceed
0: further in that partnership. And now your partnership has led you into a, into a, a new TV show. So yes. you know, yeah, exactly. So I I think you, you Yeah, wanna... what I've seen other people, your producers probably see that chemistry as well playing off each other.
2: When when you talk about building a business with one another, and one of your questions, well, you know, how did you decide what to do and how to do it? And We certainly had many of those conversations, but never in any of those conversations did we say, oh, yes, and we will host our own television show in our (laughs) second year. And uh,
0: congrats, by the way. I mean, what a cool thing.
2: Cool thing. It is cool. And we've met so many, so many wonderful people. And that was an opportunity that literally fell into our lap. We were asked to be a guest on one of our uh, associates show Rainmakers Roundup, Mark Iorio, a great, great man. And the owner of the station, you know, I think I said, kiddingly, and he said, no, come sit down, let's talk. And we were like, what? We were Mm -hmm. just kind of kidding. And uh, we thought, you know, this is a wonderful op. We had, We had actually started a podcast. We had about six or seven in the can, never released any. And it was called Get Real. And the intent of the name was, you know, let's really get real and look at your business and what you're doing and what you could improve on. And so uh, we literally took the podcast to the TV screen. And uh, we speak with uh, independent advisors, we speak with industry leaders who support their businesses. And we've been, in production since september of last year and we've got guests booked until september this year so it's pretty crazy and amazing and wonderful all at the same time
0: and very impressive. So for our listeners right now, again, this will be in the show notes. It's rvntelevision.com. I mean, this is big stuff. This is really very, very exciting. And yeah. I know that you have uh you have a studio that you actually record. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it was that uh it was the most recent episode with Stoy Hall that that I watched. And that looks like it was it was done virtual. So are there plans to do is it is it both or is it up to the person that you, uh, up to the, right, the person that you interview? Well, art
2: mm-hmm. and TV is out of Cherry Hill and it's a great studio and they are growing by leaps and bounds and uh, we're streaming on their website, but also now on Roku and Keith Reynolds has just done an amazing job with, with the studio and when you are our guest you do have the opportunity to uh be interviewed in studio or via zoom and so yes the recent episode was with stoy and that was a great conversation and we taped two it's a taped uh show and then the next conversation uh we had was with ray hennessy the president and ceo of jay connolly so he mm. was in studio and it was a wonderful surprise and uh And we love doing
0: it. I love inviting that spontaneity factor. I think that for leaders right now, whether it's a podcast or a TV show, Mm -hmm. or even just a webinar series, episodic content allows spontaneity into your life in a way that I've never seen before. And I love getting together, just sitting with you all right now in the suite. And yes, we're virtual. This is I we I learned so much from these types of conversations, and it's one thing to be listening to the conversation. It's another thing to have them your, to have, be having them yourself. So, again, for listeners in the suite who are listening, you know, think about it. What's your you know What's your marketing moonshot? Is is what we say for twenty twenty one. There might be something on your radar that you might be very well versed to do that might just show up but you get there from putting yourselves out there and meg and jean janvieve being a guest on another show and now look they have their own show so i think it's very well produced i just wanted to you know give you guys both a a high five here in in the suite it's very inspiring and to hear again a story of success and positivity during coronavirus
1: is, I think, just very, very exciting. Thank you, Tina. And I would say, I would add to that too, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there because I think, again, in a million years, we would have never thought to just approach any studio and be like, can we have a show? But I think you're right. The moment when you get that opportunity, of course, take it if you feel comfortable, but put yourself out there a little bit and who you're networking with. And that's why we love doing the show because we're really you know, 50% of the shows are with financial advisors and we're giving them an opportunity to come on and showcase their expertise. Right. And that's such a value for people to be able to get that, that visibility. And it's a great experience. And, you know, you can have a great website you can put out great content online it's totally different when people are hearing your voice and seeing your face right mm-hmm. there's that different connection level and i think we're all still very much in the mode of needing to connect with people and seeing their faces mm-hmm. and i think that type of visibility is is just so critical for financial advisors in general because there are so many of them and to to be able to showcase yourself so we love giving that access to folks Uh, that, that come to us and, you know, talk to us about their practice.
0: And really doing meaningful, meaningful work. I mean, I saw Stoy's interview and he's a young certified financial professional. His firm was, is Black Mammoth. And it's great because your stories are very diversified. You know, you've got a lot of different themes at work here and you know, one of the great things is for other people as they're looking at that story to see themselves in in the and in the interview. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We
2: had a we had an advisor who was a former ER physician. She needed uh, help with her family and their finances and their planning, and she could not find an advisor to meet her needs, so she became one. Hmm. <laughs> and stoy's background is growing up seeing that there was financial illiteracy in his world and he wanted to make a difference and help people become well versed in financial planning and investments and and to help people make good decisions and it and it wasn't you know and his the thing is you don't have to be a high net worth individual everybody has their life savings, their their something. And you need to get the the very best advice
0: from an advisor. That was the cream that rose to the top, Meg, on that episode is that he said that it isn't just about the high net worth person is about, you know, giving advice to everyone so that that advice to get to be that high net worth person to begin with. And so I love it the way that, right, that he's that other advisors now are starting to, I guess, you know, question how the industry was traditionally laid out. And that was, yeah, why are we only managing high high net worth? There's plenty of people to give great financial advice to.
2: That's a message we deliver to our clients. Yeah, yeah. If you
0: are a craft beer
2: guy, gal, you don't have to have champagne and caviar clients. Because if you're trying to get them and that's not your comfort level, you're going to be inauthentic and you're not going to be happy going to work. They're not going to be happy being served by you. And let me just fully disclose i love both
0: craft <laughs> beer and champagne <laughs> i i do too i'll i'll join you i'll join you ladies there hey listeners you can now text me at 201 581 3983 to join our community in the suite. after you do that I'll be lifting you up, inspiring you, and supercharging your life and your career with awesome quotes, resources, videos, and tips we learn from our great guests. It couldn't be any easier. Just text 201-581-3983 to join. I want to pick up also too on something that Jean Viev just said about putting yourselves out there, and it leads up to a little bit of a discussion about females and finance and how joining networking organizations like Cheryl Hickerson's Females in Finance can literally start to set you up to learn how to put yourself out there. And when you, I was so glad that you that you just said this because I literally had a conversation with the C-suite leader who, when I suggested something that, oh, you know, she should look into this, this award. I said, is anybody in your organization, you know, nominating you? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to seem like, I don't want to brag. I don't want to, I don't want to, write Exactly. Like that type of thing. And there's this fine line between people putting themselves out there and just sharing your good work and your expertise. And I want to just, you know, I want to flip that and I want to encourage people from here. And one of the things I've seen you ladies do brilliantly in our meetings is that you do, and I'll, I'll let you kind of ex- explain it, you know, talk about that big ask concept for some advisors or some people that are in that organization. It is the first time that they've actually spoke up and put something out there. So can you explain mm-hmm.
2: that? It's, a, it's an, first of all, the entire mission of females in finance purpose is to help women who have diverse talent different backgrounds. It's the uh, sharing of, oh, I've made that mistake before. Don't do that. Try it this way instead. But the big ask could be, oh, you know, I, I, I'm just beginning a social media campaign. Please like and share when you see. Um, I'm, I'm looking to write a book. Does anyone know how I can begin to do that? We as women primarily have, and I if if you could see me, I have the lion share of the age over Jean-Viev. We've been taught, oh don't be, don't, don't be braggadocious, right? We're taught that as, as young women. Well, darn it we must be braggadocious because who else is going to share our accomplishments, if not ourselves. And it's not being braggadocious. It's what you're saying, Tina, it's sharing my experiences, you know, telling people, Oh, I've done that. You know, that was really helpful. That wasn't very helpful, whatever it is. And we've got to get out of that mindset and, and and females in finance really helps women to find their voice and to grow and, while we're the larger of the delegations, it's an intimate group. You know, we're 20, 30, 40 people on the call every other month, every month. And it's you really get an opportunity to network and learn about someone. And we also encourage one-on-ones. So it's a great organization and a lot of helpful tips, not just out, even outside of our calls.
1: And I would even add to that too. I think the type of environment that Cheryl has created for everyone is. It's not about bragging, but it's about celebrating what is unique to you and having an outlet for people to not only be receptive to that, but see how they can also help further you on your mission, right? Everyone has a mission. There is a goal when you network, there is a goal with the work that you do. So it really is an environment that fosters the continual progression for that person. Um, I know Meg, has introduced so many people within the group to others even outside of the group because there's no competition that's not that's not the point of it it's you know we have many financial advisors that are in the group it's not about competing with one another but oh will you work with this specific demo oh i'm going to get you in contact with somebody who you can talk to about that further it's it's about celebrating each unique person as a member of the group and that's really unique And Cheryl has created that uniqueness that hopefully she continues to grow females in finance. You know, we're 3,000 strong, I think, across the country in Canada. Um, And she's done a fantastic job in a short period of time. And hopefully it just keeps growing and growing and growing.
0: And the other thing that I think that she's done extremely well and is this whole idea of this male ally network. And so when you're in one of these, chapter meetings, and you are, again, you know, it could be anywhere from, from 20 to 40 to even, you know, to even 10 on a meeting, you never know who is going to be in the room. And that is mm-hmm. the whole magic of it. And so you're getting, you're putting your ask out there. If you have a problem or if you have a challenge, or if you have a roadblock or you need someone, you need some of advice, you will absolutely be put in touch with the person who could move you to the next step. Whether or not that's a male or female, it is just, it's an, having incredible access. Get to the point where you need to get to quicker. Why reinvent the wheel? If somebody else has done it, somebody else can give you advice. We're all there to learn from each other.
2: Yes. One of the members of our group put me in touch with a young individual who's looking to make a significant move. I'm not going to be the end person at all for that person, but I can put them in touch with four or five people where those conversations and those pros and cons of those next steps can occur. And I was so happy and touched that that person trusted me with his friend and then when I had that conversation with that person, he, she was so, like, overwhelmingly appreciative. Mm. It was so touching. And I said to Sean VF, she said, well, what are you doing today? I'm like, I was helping this person. And it was like three or four hours, but I got such a reward out of it. And it, it'll come back in spades.
0: Yeah, really, really great, uh, great, great outcomes and meeting other people and just getting help. I wish that these organizations at which, I, again, a lot of it has to do with our modern technology and where we are. I wish that stuff like this was available early in my career. Right, I feel like I would have gotten further faster, mm-hmm. and I would have absolutely exactly, and I would have gotten to know the people that you know that would have helped m- my path along, and especially the dark days. Well, right, and I, I struggled a that, lot.
2: That that COVID has been very helpful for for at least uh, the Metro chapter because I think Cheryl was doing maybe once or twice a year an in person networking event in the city. And that's really hard to develop relationships when you're like in a ballroom with, you know, 50 people, right? Right. Instead, we get to learn a little bit about everybody every month and you get another little nugget and you get another little nugget. And as you said, the dynamic conversations and things that occur. So it's kind of
0: been really helpful that it's little, little snippets. Do you foresee a time this year we're starting to see conferences make a, a resurgence in person conferences September, October, November, December. Do you foresee us having a wonderful Females in Finance New York City chapter meeting in person before the end of the year?
1: We, we hope so. Yeah. We we hope so. I mean obviously our goal is to make sure everyone is safe Right. Uh, we don't ever want to be the reason for people falling ill with COVID just, you know, to get face to face with each other. But, you know, if everything works out. People get, you know, whether they choose to vaccinate themselves or not, if everyone feels comfortable and we feel that it's safe enough. Absolutely. It would be so great to meet everyone in person. Finally, yeah.
2: we did. As you know, uh, we didn't really have a, a particular meeting in December and we, you know, bring your favorite cocktail and let's talk about your family traditions and what you do. So even if we don't get to do the September, October, November, maybe we'll get to do some kind of a small cocktail gathering,
1: which Mm -hmm. I think
2: that that would really get a huge turnout. So again, I'm bringing up the alcohol.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. That's really good, Meg. And that's where I was going, actually. You know, it it says on your on your website you like to enjoy local craft beer, yoga, trips to Barnegat Light. Um, I'm just Mm -hmm. really excited to meet both of you in person. But one of the things that you know, I think that, that knowing what people enjoy outside of work. It was what we did on Females in Finance, bringing our own like craft, uh, whatever, drink. You know, what were we drinking? Why did we, you know, what was their memory attached to it? I think that all of that is part of this overall arching theme of this episode, and that is emotional intelligence. Like describe who you are and what you like to do because we're so much more than just ourselves at an office or a virtual work environment. We're so much more as
1: women other than our role and what we do for, for work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's emotional intelligence and it's your authenticity, you know, to your point, we all are someone else. We all bring you know, our uniqueness to the office and not being afraid to share that. Yes, I love sitting on the beach doing yoga and drinking a beer during the hot summer. That is me, that in my essence. And that doesn't go away just because I'm wearing, you know, the face of vegan partners. That that is who I am. Just like, you know, Meg loves boating and she's the sea dweller. I'm the land dweller. Again, yin and yang. That's why this works so well. We're very different. But it's, you know what, whatever brings you pleasure. And if you really embrace that, you will bring your best to work every single day.
0: Amen to that. What is the best way, ladies, for people to get in touch with you before our last wonderful question? I'm really excited to hear about the answers uh, to, to this one. You know, we are both on LinkedIn.
2: Within each of our respective LinkedIn's, our email is there to get in touch with us directly. You're certainly welcome to email us at info at yourbeaconjourney.com. And uh, as many people have returned to the old fashioned way, you can pick up the phone and call us at 609-222-7646. It's, uh, there's been a resurgence of picking up the phone, I've noticed. That's a that's a <laughs> new thing as well. So I and- love it. I love it. What about um, joining um, Females in Finance? Absolutely. What we would love to do is get in touch with us and we'll, we'll go through what it's all about and how you can join. And uh, we will then be able to send you a link to our monthly call. Uh, And we, we would welcome more and more partners, the more the
0: merrier. And I do want to also say something just in full disclosure and transparency here, ladies and gentlemen, that Females in Finance has a free membership. So, you know, none of us are getting anything. There's a free membership and there's a, a paid membership and there are opportunities with with each. And so none of us are getting anything by saying that you we love it as a place where where we all get to know each other and it's really helped me a lot. So, it's just Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to make sure, because we've talked about it on this episode a lot. None of us are making any kind of deals. It's it's the, I would say, the mutual respect, the learning and loving, especially during COVID, of of one another. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely.
0: So we've changed it up this year. It's interesting that Jean-Viev said something about reading. And so we're changing it up this year, asking a, a different question, because we do so believe in, in the power of knowledge. And so we'd love to hear, ladies, your best book recommendations for this year. What's a must read?
2: I've got many books going always at once, but the, the, <laughs> my favorite book that I read this past year was called When Everything Changed. And it's mm. by Gail Collins. She's a writer with the New York Times and I could, it was recommended to me by a friend and a former colleague, and I could not put it down. I am a kid of the sixties and the book goes through the sixties until the present and everything that women were told, were shown, what we were supposed to believe, the, the our influencers, who we were, uh, who influenced us, um, who were influencers, it's wonderful to hear stories about our mothers and our grandmothers and what they were experiencing at the time and wow. how how a 30-year-old young mother in 1962 and what she was facing and what her life was like and all of the amazing women that really moved forward in making women's independence so much greater. and. You know, some really eye-opening things and kudos to Ruth Bader Ginsburg Mm -hmm. and all that she did for women at the time, women and Hispanics especially. And then a a friend of ours that we also met through Females in Finance, Natalie Goldberg. She's an estate planning attorney. She's in Colorado. And she wrote a darling little book for your girls or your little boys. And it's called For I Am Ruth. And, you know, it's 10 pages and it's such a cute little thing. So it should be on everyone's um, gift list for your, the kids in your world. So those are my two. Wow.
0: Thank you so much for that. I can't wait. jean oh. Bièvre,
1: what about you? Well, I don't, I don't have two books going right now, but I, I have just picked up one recently. I'm always in search of, you know, that inward journey. That's just sort of my makeup and that self-awareness. And again, I think it's just intuitive to me. So I recently uh, got a book called The Untethered Soul. Uh, It's by Michael Singer. I don't know if you've read it or not, Um, but it, it really, it challenges you to question everything you think you know about yourself, your boundaries, you know, how to break through to again, that next level whatever success means to you, right, as an individual or a sense of accomplishment or uh, what have you. But that's a really, a really interesting book. And as a child of the 80s, growing up in the height of Material Girl, which was my favorite song, I'm trying to move beyond that uh, and become a much more well-rounded person. So I love these, these types of books.
0: Oh, that is really that is fantastic. I I love it. I love these uh, suggestions. If I might even throw out my own because I know that Cheryl Hickerson will be um, listening to this episode, I'm sure and I had a recent tweet, I brought a book with me here to Florida. And the book is called Believe It by Jamie Kern Lima. And so she's the founder of um, the billionaire founder. I use the word B with a capital from uh, It Cosmetics. And she goes through a very humble origin story of being told no by QBC for years and years and years and years, having this like rosacea on her face and basically disrupting the whole beauty industry around you know, what real models should look like. So when she launched on QVC for the first time and she had a specific quota to make, she had a split second decision. Was she going to use the perfect models? And then she came and she had no makeup on and she used herself. And the idea was to show real women battling real problems, real beauty problems. And people told her, oh gosh, she starts off the first line of her book just like you know, brutal comment that somebody said to her. And so oh. I, both Cheryl said that she's been crying reading this book and I've been crying reading this book too. And I think that there's something to be found, you know, in the story of just being a woman. It's interesting. All three of us have, have ties right now to w- reading things that are, you know, rooted in, in, feminism our, our, are in our own selves and learning more about ourselves. So what yeah. inspiring stories from you ladies today and feel very fortunate to have you today. Thank you for and having us. Yes. I'm thank you so much.
2: Dynamic duo. I know,
1: <laughs> I know. And I, hope, hopefully not the last. I right. hope this inspires uh, some people listening to really, you know, take that next step and take that risk and, and do it if it makes sense.
0: What you ladies have done today is whether you realized it or not, that you've created a business today, you've created two other women coming together, listening to this podcast in the future, and then, you know, creating great economic outcomes for people. And most of all themselves that you've empowered women today to think about their careers and give it a different interpretation. And so mm-hmm. I want to thank you both for being here in the suite. I've just... I've appreciated everything that you've done for our New York City chapter, uh, for brightening our world worlds during coronavirus and for making the accessible accessible during that time with our big asks and those introductions. So uh, with that, Meg and Genevieve, thank you so much for being here in the suite. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. Pleasure. You're listening to In the Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business and the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hershorn. Our editor at large is Kevin Hershorn. Our content writers are Carmen Varner, Sarah Smirker, and Tina Powell. Our research and technical assistants are Rachel Powell and Kimmy Rice. In the Suite podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for C-Suite leaders and companies in finance and technology. You can visit c com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing and giving us five-star reviews. We are so, so grateful to you. We've got listeners, I can't even believe it, in 602 cities and 39 countries. Thank you, US. Thank you, France. Thank you, Canada and Germany. This podcast was inspired and created for you ladies all over the world. So please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with Meg Hennington and jean Vief Thayer and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter using the hashtag in The Suite. You can connect with them on LinkedIn and visit their website, yourbeaconjourney.com to learn more. And always, if you would like to share the name of a rock star woman in financial services we should interview in 2021, please send it to me at tina at podcast.com. We will consider it. Again, thank you so much in listening and subscribing to In The Suite.